It's said that your real life begins where your comfort zone ends. Well, it's about to get real as we have radically authentic conversations to help you thrive in your personal and professional life while navigating the twists and turns of being human. Buckle up, because this might get uncomfortable. Starts right now with Whitney Lordson. In preparing for this episode, I sent Whitney a, a link to an interesting series of articles. It's not just one website. It's all over the internet. Today, the day that we're recording this episode is August 9th, 2021. And for anyone who has been paying attention to the news lately, we have been seeing a increasing amount of information and research and warnings about what is happening with our global climate situation. And I hesitated to want to talk about this today because it feels really heavy to me and it feels really... I'm really struggling to mentally and emotionally navigate what is happening with this world situation. I was speaking with my mom earlier about it, and she's like, you got to find joy in all this. You know, it's important to be aware of what's happening, but you got to find joy in all this. And you have to be grounded and you have to rely on your practices and find your footing with everything that's going on. So speaking of finding your footing, we have a wonderful sponsor for this episode, Embody Me, that we're going to talk about and share with you, dear listener, some of their wonderful offerings and practices to keep you grounded and sane and well amidst some challenging global situations that we are all collectively facing. The information that came out earlier today, Whitney, that uh, caught my attention is the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, it's called the IPCC, released a report this morning talking about their scientific findings. And the scientists on this panel of the IPCC, they found that data from all around the world has showed that burning fossil fuels has pushed the planet more than one degree Celsius above pre-industrial levels. That might sound like, well, what? okay, what does that even mean? Well, when we're talking about the earth warming by degrees of measure like this. Basically, what this means is we're on pace to cross what they're calling a critical 1.5 degree threshold of global warming in nine years from now, 2030. And we're currently on pace to unleash a catastrophic three degrees of warming by the year 2100. So the numbers here, you know, they sound abstract. Again, I acknowledge the listener for anyone who's not really necessarily following this. It could be like, oh, what does that mean? What does all this mean? It's basically a framework for how the world may look and feel for future generations and what they may be dealing with. And it could mean that, you know, coastal cities like New York City and Miami are going to be fully underwater, whether the Amazon completely dries up, whether or not the West Coast with all the wildfires we're currently having at the time of this recording, there's still hundreds of thousands of acres in the West Coast that are burning, whether or not the West Coast is even going to be habitable. And whether or not millions of people every single year or even tens or hundreds of millions will die because it's too hot and too uninhabitable. So it's like this this very complex game of probabilities and speculation and trying to predict things. 
But it's pretty clear from this IPCC Council of Scientists that if we don't stop burning fossil fuels, coal, oil, natural gas, as soon as possible, we're in real danger. And it's not necessarily new. I guess the IPCC released its first report, Whitney, in 1990 about this. And we also know that a lot of the oil companies, ExxonMobil, et cetera, had scientific data about global warming in the late 80s, I think around 1987 or 1988. They never released it to the public, of course. (laughs) But we've been sitting on these indicators for over three decades. So it's not new necessarily that there have been warning signs, but it seems with that you know, now the kind of red alert alarm is being pulled, so to speak, instead of, hey, we should maybe stop doing this and maybe go toward, you know, eating less meat and using less plastic and maybe going toward hybrid cars or electric cars. Now it's like, if we don't do something and do it quickly, we may be in an extremely dire situation. So there's an interesting article. There's so many articles that we could pull from. One in particular is from CNN.com. And it's an opinion piece that says, stop blaming yourself for the climate crisis. Now, this is interesting, Wit, because you and I, as long as we've known each other, we've kind of, I think, and I don't want to generalize for you, been talking to people, fans of ours, friends, social media followers, about reducing waste, reducing plastic, eating plant-based, driving more fuel-efficient cars, right? Thinking that the onus is on us as individual humans to do something in our daily lifestyle choices, our purchasing cycles, the businesses we support to curb this. But this article on CNN and a lot of others I've seen popping are popping up saying, yeah, it's actually not so much us. It's the corporations that are producing unsustainable beef, that are producing oil, petroleum, fossil fuels that are actually more responsible It's a tough thing, right? Because this is going to say we are now smart enough to know that this isn't completely our fault as individuals. Before I pass it to you, Whitney, I do want to read this really quickly from the article because it's long. I don't want to read the whole thing. But it says, for decades, fossil fuel companies, corporations, media politicians have pushed a false narrative that if we don't change our habits personally, drive electric cars, fly less airplanes, cut out meat from our diets, that they won't make the need to make wholesale changes to the economy, to laws, etc. That individual actions matter in that they can reduce emissions, but they connect us on a massive global crisis, right? Like alone, that's apparently not near enough to battle the climate crisis on the scale that is required. So they're saying that the narrative needs to shift away from just individual responsibility. Like if I turn off a light bulb and shower less and don't eat beef, I'll save the planet. They're saying it needs to shift to governmental and corporate responsibility and accountability, meaning that the voting public needs to force Congress and force corporations to implement sweeping climate legislation. My concern with this wit, right, is like this past week, Joe Biden made a executive order saying that I think up to 50% of all of the fleets of the global automakers in the United States have to be electric or hybrid by 2030, right? So that's great, but that's nine years from now. So it feels to me, before I hand it back to you, like the things are happening. Yes. I don't want to be like the doomsayer here, but like nine years from now, Like, why isn't this happening now? Why aren't they saying you need to make the change now? We don't give a shit about your excuses. Oh, we'll take care of it in a decade. 
That seems crazy to me, given the data that's coming out. So I know you've dedicated, obviously, so much of your work, your research, your focus as a creator, Whitney, for well over a decade to this. How do you feel about this conversation of personal responsibility versus corporate and governmental responsibility? And do you feel like some of the laws and legislation that are being passed are too slow or do you feel like they're right on time? Like, how does all this hit you? I feel really ignorant, to be honest. And over the past few years, I felt like I'm getting more and more behind in my knowledge and awareness on environmental issues. And I have to like really reflect on how that's happened. Because when I started my work with Eco Vegan Gal, it was rooted in the environmental issues and veganism. But I was really passionate and involved and and studying constantly. And that's what motivated me to start my work because all I wanted to do was talk about these type of things. And I was just constantly immersed in it. And now, not so much. I feel like I have more of a surface level understanding of what's going on. And this is sparking me to be more focused on it, you know, and it's, it's interesting. Like, I don't know how that happens. Like what's going on within me that has led me to be a little bit more lax about it. You know, I'm not sure. Like I'd really have to evaluate how somebody goes from being very active in something to less so. And I wonder, is it like a numbing? Was it too exhausting? I mean, at the time in 2008, when I started Eco Vegan Gal, part of the reason was I wanted an outlet because it didn't feel like anybody cared as much as I did. Or I shouldn't say anybody. It seemed like most people in my life did not care. I had a job at the time and I was going to classes. I went to this, I forget what it was called, this amazing program in Santa Monica about being more eco-friendly. And it was like a really in-depth training that I paid for. I read books and was just going to any event I possibly could to raise my awareness, including all the festivals that were happening and big and small and local activities going on. I made all these environmental activist friends and it just felt like there was all this momentum. And it shifted a lot since then that that culture doesn't seem to be there in the way that it once was, which is interesting. Maybe my bubble and like grew and I started to feel like, oh, actually more, I know more people that care about the environment, so I don't have to push for it quite as much. I don't have to stay as woke, you know? And it felt like watching content creation grow and all the people that have been talking about zero waste and eco-friendly living, it got to the point where I'm like, well, I'm not as needed as I was in 2008, but I don't, I don't know if that's true. So it's a long-winded answer to say that I feel so ignorant about a lot of things that are going on. Certainly, I'm eco-minded, but there are a lot of things that I do and I question whether or not they're the right things to do, whether or not I'm fully in alignment. I also remember when I was learning about Greta Thunberg, I felt like kind of intimidated by her in a way, like, and then maybe it gave me perspective into how a lot of people feel when this is discussed is it's really overwhelming. And it was like, oh my gosh, like things are 
so far along and we're moving at such a small pace to solve it. It's like almost this numbing effect. And I'm glad that this report came out as strongly as it did, because I feel like we need it to really make a shift. Although what's confusing to me as I've read through articles on this and watch videos, I don't really know what we do from here. You know, it seems like these articles are saying like, hey, climate change is real and all of the things that we've been worried about are starting to happen. And it's kind of like, I'm not sure at this point what to do. And I bet you a lot of people that feel that way. And I'm sure coupled with the fact that we're in the pandemic still and we've got so many human rights issues going on right now. It's just like there's so much in our face and it feels like we have so many problems to solve. And that's really draining. Like I feel like, you know, I was actually thinking about this today, Jason, how since I started tracking my energy and my mood through an actual app on my phone, I've been so aware of how low energy I felt lately and how low energy I felt for like a year and a half, despite the fact that I feel like I'm quote, doing everything right. There's certainly more things that I could be doing. It feels like there always are, but it's like, I feel like I'm doing all the basics. I'm working out at least 20 minutes a day, moving my body in some way or another. I'm super hydrated, tracking my water intake. I'm eating a lot of unprocessed foods, super mindful of everything I'm consuming. I'm prioritizing sleep. I'm working on my mental health. I'm doing all these things. And yet I just feel like I have low amounts of energy and I feel like I can barely get through the day. And I know you felt the same way too, Jason. And it's like, it feels stronger than I've ever noticed before. And I don't know if my awareness is heightened or I don't know if there's like so much collective stress going on. And I lean towards that because a lot of people are expressing this a lot in ways that I've never noticed before. It seems like burnout has never been discussed nearly as much as it has in the past year or so. It was not a term that people spoke about as commonly as they do now. Anxiety, all of these things. And it's like, oh my gosh, all these people are experiencing that. So no wonder, my point being, Jason, it's like, it's really hard to solve problems when you feel drained. And then you feel helpless. And then you feel drained because you're helpless. And there's just like this ongoing loop. And I've noticed this a lot since I started getting passionate about the environment, you know, growing up, I was interested in recycling. Like recycling has always been a thing as far as I can remember for me. It was part of the way I was raised. It was just the thing that you did, right? Like I wouldn't ever like toss certain items out in the trash. I was the type of person in college that would print out my papers on double-sided paper just to save a sheet of paper. And to this day, I still do. I don't really print that much, but like, I'm always thinking about those little things, right? But to your point, the data coming out about how all of these things we've been conditioned to do are not nearly making as much of a difference as we think. It's either A, feeling like, great, like I've spent all this time and energy and sometimes even money trying to be more eco-friendly and you're telling me it hasn't made a m much of a difference, like that's so frustrating. So maybe part of me has just become more lax because I'm like, well, does it matter anyways? 
you know, do I need to buy zero waste things, which are expensive and incredibly inconvenient? You know, I got passionate this year about being paying more attention to zero waste details, but like I'm shocked at a how expensive zero waste products are. Like we talked about this in an episode of This Hits the Spot, our private podcast. I I bought this dish soap bar and I was really excited about it. I was on a mission to reduce like anything I could. And so getting this almost zero waste dish soap bag, it came in like a a little eco-friendly packaging. But I was thinking like, yes, it's not going to be made from plastic, but it was $17. Like that's a lot of money. I think I, I did the math quickly and it's, it's like three times the price of buying a bottle of dish soap. So, you know, the financial investment to buy eco-friendly things, you know, I bought a Tesla. Teslas are out of reach for a lot of people's budgets. It's a huge stretch for my budget. You know, it's a huge percentage of my income goes towards paying for my eco-friendly car and the charging involved, right? And it's also a big inconvenience, it's my second electric car. And I've noticed over the years, like a lot of people are hesitant to get electric cars. And going back to your point about Biden, Jason, it's like maybe they know that the world is going to be so resistant and still is resistant to electric cars. And our technology has not advanced that quickly. I mean, Tesla is one of the only companies that's figured out how to set up systems for the cars enough so that you can drive pretty much anywhere. There's tons of electric cars on the market, but few of them have as much range as a Tesla. And I don't know if any of them have the infrastructure set up in the way that Tesla has. So it's just not as accessible financially or on a convenience factor. And these are the things that I pick up on talking to other people about being eco-friendly. It's really challenging. And especially if somebody's already feeling overwhelmed, burned out, and busy, right? So... I think that there's so much pressure and that's put on us as, as citizens that a lot of people just want to block it out and they just can't handle it. And they're like, maybe they're already active with something else. Like they might be vegan and super involved with animal rights. They might be involved with Black Lives Matter or any of these other human rights issues that we have that take a lot of time and energy to be involved with that. You know, maybe they're building their own business. Jason mentioned our sponsor, Embody Me, which is a phenomenal resource we're going to talk more about. And one of the big pain points that Embody Me is is focused on right now is helping people that feel really busy and overwhelmed. And I think that's such a common challenge for many of us. And I know as a business owner, it's a huge issue to try to get a lot done. It never feels like I have enough time. And so here we are with this huge climate, global climate issue. And we feel like we've run out of time. And how scary is that for people that feel like they didn't even have enough time to begin with? And now you're like, well, time's up. It's really tough. And to your point, Jason, it's very frustrating because I remember when an inconvenience truth came out, which was what, like 2006 or seven? I think you're right. Yeah. I think that was when I was starting to become really active in my own education and choices. And that was over 10 years ago, you know, like I remember seeing that documentary and feeling like we've got to make a difference. You know, we've got to, we've got to make this big change. And to your point, Jason, we have seen changes happen. There has been a lot of growth. 
I want to say from my perspective, the zero waste movement has really built up a lot. There's a lot of younger people, meaning younger millennials, Gen Zs, like very active and aware. We have the whole movement of straws, even though I think statistically straws don't make as much of a difference as we've been led to believe. But the whole like avoiding plastic straws became a big movement, which is a difference, right? We see a lot of brands focus on their packaging and prioritizing some of these initiatives and making donations. We see people like Bill Gates get very involved, Leonardo DiCaprio, Al Gore, of course. Like We've seen big figures that have a lot of influence and money get involved. And I guess it feels like we've made progress, and yet this report is also saying like we haven't made enough progress. And that's where it becomes really tricky, that balance between what we do in our everyday lives versus what are the businesses doing and what are the government, what is the government doing, you know, and how do we get on the same page? And I think right now it's really frustrating because it already feels like we're not on the same page with the pandemic. And in the grand scheme of things, the pandemic feels like a short term problem, although I hesitate to even use that term compared to the climate change, which is like a really pressing long-term issue that we have. And if we can't figure out the pandemic, which seems to have more like structure in terms of what we can do, you know, there's more, it's like, it feels a lot simpler to me relative to this, which climate change just feels so complicated. I guess like the one place that my brain goes is, well, two places. One, as I said, I have faith that a lot of people are becoming more focused on the environment and starting businesses based on eco-friendly, like with eco-friendliness at the core of it. You know, with when I was looking through the Embody Me website, you see all these people like working on these small mission-driven businesses, which is really inspiring. And that gives me hope because as we're seeing the shift to a lot of entrepreneurship, it's exciting because people are feeling more empowered. Embody Me is also focused on women. So it's exciting to see women feeling empowered to rise up. And the earth is often associated with a very like motherly feminine energy. And I think that women play a really important role in driving this conversation. There's a reason like Greta Thunberg, for example, just has this like strong, passionate feminine energy that's pushing things forward for the younger generation, incredibly important. And I think that younger generation is going to be a very high percentage of entrepreneurs and small business owners, right? That excites me. But right now, with a lot of masculine energy and huge corporations, which is kind of the opposite of all of that, it does feel tricky to get them on board. And it feels like they move at a slower pace, And just, you know, like they might need that nine, 10 years to get their acts together and figure things out. And maybe that's why a lot of these changes are taking so long. And maybe, I guess I don't know enough. Part of my ignorance, Jason, is I don't know how quickly we can make the changes. And is this what this report is saying? Like, we've run out of time because all the changes that we need to make are going to take too much time. So by the time we're able to implement them correctly, 
it'll be too late or it already is too late. I don't know if it's that conclusive and I hope it's not. (laughs) I guess like we'd have to collectively drop everything and every person would have to get involved. And I just don't know if that's going to happen. Sadly, I think we can do things like buying from small businesses, supporting entrepreneurs, certainly, but it's tough. It's tough when we have the convenience of Amazon. And right now, a lot of people purchase from big businesses like Amazon and buy cheap things. Like the convenience and the cost are huge focuses for many people. Why? Because a lot of people, I believe, are burnt out and overwhelmed. So they need or strongly desire convenience because that's all they can handle and or they're struggling to get by and the economy is in rough shape for a lot of people. So if they they don't have the money to spend $17.50 on a disto block, that would seem crazy when they could go to the dollar store and probably buy a bottle of dish soap that's going to last them for a while. Like, of course, a lot of people are going to make that choice. And is it that that's making a huge impact on the environment? Maybe not. But the fact that those purchases continue to drive these businesses to cut so many corners, I think that's part of the bigger issue. So to me, it feels like we all have to work together, but I don't know how we're going to get there. I really think that when push comes to shove, things can get done pretty quickly. And if I look at the historical context for corporations, Whitney, and government working together to make really quick changes, I think back to World War II. And I think back to the automakers, Ford, Chrysler, General Motors, the big three as they're often referred to. In my hometown of Detroit, they pivoted to, instead of building cars and trucks, They started to build tanks, B-2 bombers, you know, trucks and military vehicles. They didn't have the tooling for that. They didn't have years to prepare for that. It was like the government went to the automakers and said, we need you to build war machines for us. We need to win this war. They did that at lightning speed. It was incredible how quickly those automotive corporations pivoted to meet the demands of the government, okay? So in my opinion, if the will of the people were such that the government would pay attention, I don't know what that would be. I don't think signing bills is going to do it, or or petitions rather. I think, you know, this is tough in a pandemic, but, you know, somehow physically asserting ourselves to say, no, we're not going to wait 10 years for you to mandate these fuel economy standards. We're not going to wait 10 years for you to say 50% of the automakers' fleets have to be electric or hybrid. The world is on fire. The world is flooding. People are dying. It's likely, based on the data of the IPCC, going to get a lot fucking worse really quickly. Oh, we'll just wait 10 years. Bullshit. You don't have to wait 10 years. Look at World War II. You pivoted so quickly when the onus was magnetizing and galvanizing the entire Western world to say, we need to defeat the Nazis and we need to defeat the Third Reich. We need to make this happen. That happened fast, Whitney. If we had the same sense of urgency to win World War II and defeat the Nazis and defeat the Third Reich, as we did with the climate crisis, shit would be happening way faster. But we don't. We don't have the same sense of urgency on an institutional level, a governmental level, or even a corporate level 
corporations like Tesla aside, most of these corporations don't have that same level of fire under their ass to make quick changes. That's why oh, it'll take nine years. It doesn't ha- I, I don't believe it has to take nine years. Would they maybe sacrifice some of their profits in the short term? Perhaps. But what good is your trillions in a world that is dead? I've put this on social media a lot. Like, what good is all your fucking money if you're living on a dead planet? You're not going to be able to spend trillions of dollars on a dead planet. Newsflash. Your shareholder value doesn't mean a goddamn thing on a dead planet. (laughs) You know, I don't understand the sacrificing of long-term survival and stability for short-term profit. That seems to be kind of the mantra right now. So I go on to say, I do think they could pivot and shift a lot more quickly. I don't think that the, I don't know if they're not taking it seriously enough. I don't know if profit is put ahead of survival right now. I just think the idea of it's taking a long time is kind of bullshit to me. Looking at history, Whitney, looking at the historical record of what we did when it was World War II, the 40s. I mean, that was what, 80 years ago? 80 years ago. Okay, we can pivot a lot quicker. I just don't think the motivation is there. And I really hope the motivation gets there. I really, really do. Because, you know, the other side of this too, Wit, is when reports like this come out, I think there can be a variety of emotional reactions to this from human beings. But one reaction that concerns me, and the reason I say it concerns me is because I've felt this, especially this morning when I read this report, and I just felt so depressed and so sad, was if all of our collective individual actions from the research that and the data that's coming out are not making that much of an impact as we had hoped they would, it could engender in people a feeling of what's the fucking point? I'll buy my muscle car. I'll buy my giant SUV. I'll keep eating my meat because who fucking cares? It's not making as big of an impact as we've been told. My fear and my concern is people saying fuck it when they see this data. Let me just live my life because we're all going to die anyway. The world's on fire. It's flooding. And it looks like the year 2100, we're all going to be burnt to a crisp and humanity is going to go extinct. Like That's my fear is people could interpret this as, I don't care anymore. And you know what? I was planning on doing something, but now it appears that me doing something doesn't make a difference anyway. And I'm sure that people will interpret this that way. Some people will. And part of me is almost like that. Part of me, you know, it's not like I'm going to go out and, you know, buy, buy a Hummer, although there's an electric Hummer coming out as an aside. But I don't know. My concern is this could engender a deep feeling of hopelessness and narcissism in people. And I don't know that that is a good thing. Well, I think it's really important to, I mean, at least from my perspective, to not get too in our heads about this because we do need data like this. And unless we're fully educated, we may not be making the right decisions. And I think it's really important to turn to true experts on this subject matter. So I went to check out what Greta Thunberg said, and she responded to it in a tweet thus far. She said that the report doesn't tell us what to do. It's up to us to be brave and take decisions based on the scientific evidence provided in these reports. We can still avoid the worst consequences, but not if we continue like today and not without treating the crisis like a crisis. And it's vague, right? I think people, to your point, Jason, are going to need some sort of to-do list. And it's also tricky because when I went to her tweet, underneath it, somebody had asked, like, well, what do we do? And there was a string of conversations. 
And it just felt like people kept saying the same things that I've heard over and over and over again. And I think for me, looking back, it's like, but I've done all of those things and things seem to be getting worse. So I I imagine for people like me, there's this sense of taking that personal responsibility, but still seeing it get bad. And that can feel really hopeless, but that doesn't mean that we should stop. I mean, I do feel more motivated. One thing I've been working on recently is becoming more aware about recycling. And in fact, I just got a really great book and I want to make sure I get the title right. I think it's called, Can I Recycle This? And it's a beautiful picture book. I've been planning on Yes, that's exactly what it's called. It's by Jenny Romer. We'll link to it in the show notes at wellevator.com. And this book gave me a lot of hope, Jason. It's it's presented in a way that resonated with me because it didn't feel overwhelming. It is very positive. It's very clear. And I keep it in my kitchen near the recycling bin. And I look at it every time I decide whether something will go in the trash or the recycling bin, right? And it's raised my awareness about items because I've recognized through further educating myself and recommitting to that, that there's a lot of things that I was wish cycling and I don't want to do that anymore. So that's part of where I started making my move towards more zero waste, right? Another thing I did was join a group called Buy Nothing Project. And it's something that happens all across the country, I believe in different parts of the world as well. And it's a way for you to connect with your community, even in big cities like Los Angeles, to borrow items, to give away things, or to acquire things from your neighbors. And I, those things give me a lot of hope because coming together as a community is incredibly helpful. I actually use that Buy Nothing project to borrow a VCR from someone so I could digitize some old tapes. And I met this lovely woman that I never would have met otherwise. And I think things like that are part of how we make this big shift. I also think one of the biggest takeaways that I'm seeing while perusing articles is that, you know, politics is one of the most important elements of climate change. To your point, Jason, we need to get more involved and be more aware. And that's something that I have not spent a lot of time on my whole life. I have not felt that interested in politics, mainly because it confuses me and it overwhelms me. But that's the not a great excuse, right? I started to get more involved during the election and I want to be even more involved with local governments too, not just national and really know what's going on. I think we can vote with our dollar more. As I said, you and I have been slowly making progress towards promoting Amazon less on our podcast, we use a, a shop called Bookshop. So I'm going to link to that book, Can I Recycle This? on Bookshop, which allows you to support local bookstores. Going to local stores as much as possible is a great choice if it's worth the inconvenience to you, A. And B, a lot of times it's going to be a little bit pricier. And I want to go back to the fact that things need to be more within our means, And I've noticed over the years, there's been a lot of shaming around people's choices, myself included. And sometimes I buy things out of convenience or out of a low cost. And I'll talk about something and people will be like, oh, that's made from plastic or, oh, the ingredients are not good. And they just get on this high horse of shaming you. And I'm not at a point where I'm zero waste. It's a, 
a long journey for me. And I, I have a lot of compassion for others that aren't there yet because of the convenience and cost factor. So all of this is taking those slow steps, as I mentioned, but I think by doing them, you start to feel more empowered and less hopeless, Jason. And that's something that I think is really important right now because maybe we don't have as much power or control as we would like or as the world needs right now, but we can do our best to remain motivated, empowered, and hopeful because that's what's going to keep us on the track towards a good direction. And if we're going to you know, come to some huge catastrophe where... <laughs> It's end of humanity. I, I hope at least that we do that with hope in our hearts rather than sp- live out the rest of our days feeling miserable and sad and depressed. I certainly don't want to do that. And one thing that I want to address in those times where you don't know what to do, I cannot encourage community more. That's one of the reasons that I felt like this was a really good tie-in for our sponsor, Embody Me, because it's all about community and it's all about wellness practices that support you in moving forward. And one thing that is exciting to me is their focus on entrepreneurship. And that's another thing that we can each do. Sometimes people are working for companies that they don't align with when deep down inside they want to do something of their own on their own. It's not an easy path to be an entrepreneur, but it is a way that you can contribute as well. If you know how to make something, for example, you can produce things to sell and that can make a big shift because maybe somebody will buy something that you're making out of your home versus buying from Amazon. And I'm seeing a shift with that too online. We've got platforms like Etsy, which have challenges. They're not a perfect business, but it is a very well-known trusted platform where you can sell your own things. And this entrepreneurship journey can be challenging. And with Embody Me, what I love that they're doing right now is encouraging entrepreneurs and giving them a place to connect with one another and work through a lot of these tough challenges. But they also offer general wellness tools as a virtual wellness studio. And I think one of the most helpful things when you're feeling stressed and sad is meditation, is dancing, is EFT tapping, all of these little things that you can do to connect with yourself in a deeper level and take you out of those dark places. I've found it's really hard for me to stay on track with those alone But when I have a community that I'm involved with, I feel inspired and motivated. So I'm proud for us to partner with Embody Me. And we actually have a special link for you. So you can try out a seven-day trial. And if you enjoy it, you can get 20% off your first month of Embody Me after that so that you can dive in to these connected communities and find people that support you in your wellness journey and your entrepreneurship and talk about these things openly. I found one of the best things about the wellness community, despite all of its flaws, which there are many, at the core, the health and wellness communities that I've been part of, they all have this deep desire to support one another and make progress together. And I have found that it's a, a place where you can ask the tough questions 
and get advice and start figuring out how to make this stuff work. So check out Embody Me, embodyme.live. If you use the code WELLEVATOR, you'll get that seven-day free trial and then 20% off your first month. You can dive in. They've got manifestation classes. They've got yoga. They have all different types of yoga. I'm just looking at their list right now. They have a face yoga, which I tend to store a lot of tension in my face. So I've been working on things like gua sha and facial massages. So I want to try that. And also just being held accountable for meditation, Jason. I feel like that's incredibly important. So as much as I want to work on using less waste and being better about recycling and getting more involved in politics, as I said, I need to also work through a lot of my burnout and overwhelm. And the number one thing that I have not been doing that I know would help me immensely is meditating. So I want to recommit to that so that I can have more of this energy and motivation to do the hard work that is required right now. I'm a little bit on the opposite, not opposite, but in a different spectrum from you, Whitney, in the sense that you've been really consistent with moving your body and your daily movement and fitness routine. That has completely fallen off of the radar for me 100%, whereas my daily meditation practice is like rock solid. So I'm looking forward to taking more classes with Embody Me because I know that when I sign up for a class and I'm with a community, whether that's virtual, like this virtual wellness studio, or it's live, I have observed myself over the years showing up for my life in a different way. When there's community and there's accountability and it's an energy that I connect with, it helps to keep me on track. So for you, dear listener, you know, if you feel that same way that you need accountability, you're craving community, you want something consistent that you can show up to, like I do, I think Embody Me is a great, great platform for this. So again, it's embodyme.live, E-M-B-O-D-Y-M-E dot live, L-I-V-E. And we've got that code Wellevator Whitney mentioned, W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com. If you want to jump in, enjoy that free seven-day trial because I need that right now. Like I'm not moving my body and I feel... I don't feel shame around it, Whitney, but it's kind of one of those things that I don't know what the emotion is. It's not shame, but it's like, I know I need to do it and I'm not doing it and I feel bad about it. And so having something like this, I know for me will help get me back on track. Yeah. And that's really important because right now, if as you're listening to this episode, thinking about like, what do you do with all of this so that it doesn't remain stuck in your head and your heart and your body? That's one of the reasons I've done so much yoga is because that movement helps me move through tough emotions and get them out. You know, the issues in your tissues, like I feel a lot better. Even when my energy is lower, I do have this consistent sense of like feeling stronger in my body when I move it every single day on at least 20 minutes a day, which is recommended overall for health. And I know it's tough. It It's hard for me to, when I am not as active, Jason, it is hard to get back into it. But it's like everything that we're talking about today. This is not easy work. It's not easy to work on yourself and it's not easy to work on planetary issues. I did find one article that I am definitely going to link to in the show notes because you mentioned CNN, Jason, which is a new source I trust. I went on there and I, I was like scanning through it. And I'm like, this is so much. This doc, The document, the report is like 3,000 pages long. 
And a lot of the news reports on it are not helpful to me because it's just like all these paragraphs and they're not well organized. So it's like, how do I move forward? What do I do? Like that's, I'm a problem solver. Like I get very frustrated if I can't solve things. And one website that I found really well organized for my brain is electrek.co. I'm going to link to it. It's titled the IPCC climate change report, what it says and what we can do written by Michelle Lewis on August 9th. And she does a great job breaking down the basics. What is the IPCC? Why is today's report important? What are they saying about global warming? And she breaks it down into bullet points. So number one, humans cause global warming. Number two, greenhouse gases, gas emissions will persist, but reaching net zero will help. And number three, it's warming and ultimately it's in our hands. What does the IPCC report say about impacts and risks from climate change? And she goes in and breaks down about the difference between the global warming changes, the degrees of it. She talks about the sea levels. If we lower global warming, we can reduce the impacts on land. We can reduce ocean temperature if we take action. Climate change is going to affect our lives, but we can lessen the impact And we have the power to do something about it. So this article thus far has been the most helpful and hopeful that I've read. And I feel like this is a good way to wrap up this conversation to link to this. Then she shares what the bottom line is and the bad news and the good news. So the bad news is that some planetary changes are now irreversible. The good news is that almost every country in the world is signed up to the Paris Agreement, which, by the way, didn't Trump like take us out of the Paris Agreement while he was in the office. And I wonder where we stand as right now with Biden's administration. Yes, Trump did remove the United States from the Paris Accord. And I believe that one of Biden's first executive actions was to rejoin. I do remember that when he got into office, I think he almost immediately rejoined it. Well, that's good news, right? Then the bottom line, according to this article, is if we cut global emissions by 50% by 2030 and reach net zero by 2050, we can stop and possibly reverse global warming, right? So maybe this ties into Biden's order about the electric cars by 2030, right? It's part of that plan. There's quotes from climate scientists in here. And then it says, are we doomed? No. If we do what we need to do, lowering global warming really minimizes the likelihood of hitting these tipping points. We are not doomed. So how do we do that? We stop using fossil fuel for transportation, electricity, and heating. We switch to renewables and electric cars and other electric appliances. We plant more trees. We stop burning the Amazon. She also included a tweet from Al Gore who said, one of the most important lessons from the COVID-19 pandemic is that when scientists are warning about a looming threat, we ought to listen. Today, the IPCC is once again sounding the alarm on the climate crisis and their warning is clearer than ever. This is a wonderful resource. It makes me feel better. It doesn't give us exact steps, but I suppose if you want to really examine your life, how can you reduce your use of fossil fuels in transportation? 
You know, this is the reason that I bought a Tesla. Is a Tesla perfect? No, there's certainly flaws with it. Plenty of people like to point out the issues of the Tesla. But the reason that I wanted to buy a Tesla is because I believe from my current viewpoint, or at least when 2018, when I got the car, that Tesla was the company most committed to it because it's a fully electric car company. There aren't that many. What is there? There's Rivian, Tesla. Who else? Jason. Jason's the go-to. Lucid now. There is who's the uh, Fisker actually is coming out. They're debuting their new electric SUV at the LA Auto Show if it happens this year. There's Nikola, which may or may not come out. I think there there's a, a growing handful of them, but by far, of course, Tesla is you know the gold standard right now. And Tesla is very involved in solar power, so. There's going to be flaws to a lot of them, but, you know, and it's nice to see other manufacturers offering electric cars, but they still offer non-electric cars. And this is part of the issue, right? So who did I want to support? That's why I chose Tesla. And I try to keep in mind how much I'm using the car and where I'm charging it and the, all of the factors involved with the car. I'm, it's not the perfect solution, right? Can I walk somewhere? I try to walk when I can. I don't have a bike, but you know, having a bike is a great option. Taking public transportation is great. All of those choices are have the ripple effect and they can, again, leave you feel more empowered. Being mindful about your electricity usage, you know, what do you have turned on and how are you? I mean, we've talked so much about screen time and devices. So if we can reduce electricity, maybe we get outside and move our bodies more right? Myself included. I have, a, I have a bit of an addiction to TikTok. It's what I go to when I want to feel better. But I also know I feel great when I spend more time in nature. And actually, speaking of my car, one thing I'm going to be documenting on this show, like I did last year, is my upcoming road trip. And as of the date of the epi- this episode release, I'll be leaving a few days from the day the episode this comes the the day this episode comes out. And Jason, I have to say, like, It's been really fun thinking about being on the road and going to national parks and how I'm going to live my life without being in a home in a hotel. You know, I'm going to be camping in my car for at least a week. And I love that. I'm so excited to go see the parks and hopefully the wildfires are not an issue, speaking of climate change. But I want to, I know when I take road trips that I'm less off. I'm not using electricity as much, right? Because aside from charging my car, but I'm not on my computer and my phone. And I'm not like, I'm very mindful about how I'm using toilets and showers and food and like everything, like every detail that I have to think about when planning a camping trip gives me an opportunity to do things differently. And I think my experiences last year and this year camping for really the first major times in my life have shown me how little we need to get by and how much better I feel when I'm in nature and doing the bare minimum in each day except just enjoying life. And I think right now we have to find a way to do more of that in order to protect the planet, but also to protect our sanity. So if anyone needs camping tips and road trip tips and eco-friendly travel tips, I will be sharing a lot of those in some upcoming episodes. I will continue to share what I learn 
I encourage you to check out that wonderful new book, Can I Recycle This? Because it's just such a lovely, lovely resource. And please don't give up hope, Jason. And please don't give up hope, dear listener. And if you have a lot of hope, whatever you can, pass on. Because there are people out there that need your hope. And you can spread it around as much as possible and encourage people and get more involved with your community too. You don't have to travel, actually. Just taking a walk, joining groups, tapping into other people and supporting them. Again, if you want to join Embody Me, that's a wonderful way to meet new people, to get support from them, and to offer your own support while also taking great care of yourself. So again, with Embody Me, if you want to do the free trial, you can use the code WELLEVATOR at embodyme.live. We will link to that in our show notes along with the book that I mentioned, the articles that we've mentioned, everything will be there for you to make us as easy as possible because we're all in this together at wellevator.com, W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com. We thank you so much for listening and going on this journey with us. We know it's not easy. This is definitely an uncomfortable subject matter. But thank you, Jason, for being willing to explore it as painful as it can be sometimes. Thanks for listening and getting out of your comfort zone with us today. For show notes and more high-performance resources to help you thrive, go to wellevator.com. That's W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com.